huge blowback to cashless dystopia, a parliamentary investigation of Aspie, and he's back, ScoMo in Think Tankistan. Coming up on today's Citizens Report. Welcome to the Citizens Report for the 5th of October 2023. I'm Elisa Barwick. Joining me today is Citizens Party Research Director Robbie Barwick. Welcome. Thanks, Elisa. And my end of the desk is very messy because <laughs> I do all the research. Like your desk in the office. <laughs> uh, <laughs> now, we're going to be discussing some hot topics today. Um, a lot of blowback to the cashless dystopia is it's a current theme and it's growing. Uh, A parliamentary investigation of ASPE. This is a new campaign we've launched, which we alluded to last week, and we're going to update you on some of those matters that we did, you and Richard discussed thoroughly on the show last week. The Nazis who walk among us. That's right. Uh, And as part of that topic, we're going to be looking at Scott Morrison's role. We thought we got rid of him. He's back, and he's been adopted by Think Tankistan. So (laughs) we'll see more about that shortly. And to help us get the word out, Please don't forget, hit the like button, comment below. Uh, if you haven't already, then subscribe and ring the notification bell. Uh, and Which this is up here. We've been told to point to it up here. <laughs> yeah, the notification bell. Okay, yeah. that's also the information. Oh, is it? In- okay. Info okay. thing as well, though. But Notifications in- <laughs> down. Info. Okay. Any case, don't, don't edit this out, producer. It gets Any, a bit messy sometimes. Anything you do, clicking anything will help circulate this and particularly <laughs> clicking the... Just don- click. <laughs> and click the donation button too. That will really help as well yes. um, because all of this is funded by you guys out there and all of this activity that we're going to talk about is generated by you guys out there um, and there's a lot of things actually we'll talk about that we can thank people for for um, sending us in and helping to the generate the um, real dynamic that's going on at the moment. So straight into the first topic, huge blowback to cashless dystopia. Uh, Now just firstly, before we get into some of the other newer updates, want to point to um, uh, some of the coverage that came out of the regional bank closure inquiry hearings that, of course, you went to the last round of in Tassie, Canberra and New South Wales, and particularly the coverage that came out of Juni, which we haven't been able to point to yet on the show, Um, And we couldn't fit it all into our alert service this week because they had four full pages of coverage in the Juni Independent. We'll put it up on the screen. Headlined by Profits Over People, Regional Banking Inquiry. Here's Juni's concerns about CBA's departure from town. Uh, And then that was followed by... um, Subsequent boxes showing, you know, big pictures of the hearings and reporting extensively from the front as they put it on the following page. This, this box, the residents of Juni Shire Council should feel immensely proud of their achievements at the parliamentary inquiry into rural bank closures held at the Juni X Services Memorial Club last Thursday. Mm. And so then they have following extensive coverage um, over the subsequent two pages. Um, Juni, of course, was... But, but Elisa, so some things are true by definition, or the other word is self-evident. When a town dedicates four pages to their fight to save a bank, their yeah. bank, it's because they're using the bank. It's because they're not cashless. It's because Anna Bly and the bank CEOs are full of crap. 
When that happens, by definition, Australians are not going down this path. We shouldn't even have to have an inquiry. Get that through your heads. We are not making something out of nothing here. This is a real issue. And that's the huge blowback. I've just displayed it. <laughs> so that reflects a whole bunch of other forms of blowback. Now, let's go through a few of them. Uh, there was an outage, ANZ outage last Friday afternoon. People are doing their shopping. People in Woolies couldn't pay for their groceries. I mean, this is constant. And, and it's like, and the only Woolies, the only ANZ customers who could buy stuff from Woolies were the ones with cash. Mm. I mean, what don't they understand? There will never be a world in which communications technology is 100% reliable and never fails. But if you have to buy that thing at that time, if you've raced down, if you're an ANZ customer and on Friday afternoon and you've raced down to the shop because your little child has some um, medical emergency, you really need to get on that Panadol or whatever it is that you've got to get, right? And you can't buy it? Hmm. This is insane. Anybody, like, it just let's just, if we can put this to bed, if, if, there's lots of conspiracies that are about this as well. People should be worried about all the other connotations of this and, you know, government control and private control and surveillance. All that sort of stuff is true. But just from a practical standpoint, it is insane to even think that we'll ever be fully digital. Mm. Ever! Forget about it! Especially in a country like Australia. There's a backlash in the UK. There's a backlash in Denmark. Mm. They're little tiny countries. They can't handle it. Right? So let's just... This is so crazy that we have to have that i have to be part of drive, travel around the country yeah. so that politicians can learn from constituents just how important cash is and that right? they have to hold the banks to account and this was in melbourne lisa this was in sydney this was in adelaide mm. this was in perth this was yeah. not in the this was in the rural sectors as yeah. well when the systems fail they fail but the, the but the the the, the, the um the, the commerce has to continue yeah. and we cannot Put our lives on hold because bank CEOs pay people to come up with um, systems to allow them to do banking a different way, entirely digitally, for their benefit, not ours. And when it fails, we have to, we're just supposed to hang around and wait for it to come good. No, reject that part must be rejected out of hand. And yeah. then, and, and all the other connotations of a fully digital society, too. And there's, there's, motion to deal with this kind of thing overseas. We shouldn't be waiting to see other countries do it and then try to catch up. And one example is on the front of scams. There was a lady that was scammed yeah. um, from fun the funds from her housing sale the other day and it came up in the coverage that, you know, the UK banks, are, they are held accountable for scams. Therefore, they find a scam. They cut it off at the pass because otherwise they're going to have to pay, right? So there's and if other... they can't, they do pay. They exactly. Want, they, they, they have they to. So, you know, there's things that can be done that are quite simple, but you, you tell the story about this. There's a fellow in a South Australian town who his no, job is Victorian to, town, Victorian town, to do nothing but deal with scams so and help this people. Is a, this is a great article in the ABC on the 1st of October, Sunday the 1st of October. Victorian scam buster Justin Williams, and I take my hat off to Justin Williams, says regional bank closures linked to increase in victims. And Justin's just a tech guy in the little town of Port Ferry on the, on the coast there, the, the western coast of Victoria. Um, <coughs> excuse me. But he, he noticed that as the smartphone came along and more and more people started um, buying it, he knew they would need 
support, right? So as I explained it to the office, in our office, we have a large office here, but there's a couple of people that if there's any question of a technical issue, we just email those people. One of them's Aaron Isherwood, one of them's Craig Isherwood. And so you, when you spe- especially when you get those kind of emails that's, that's, that try and get you to yeah. click on something, right? The, one person did once, <laughs> and we paid for it. But, the, but, the, but most people will go, oh, and if you have any doubt, you send it to Aaron. What's this? And Aaron will tell you, right? So that's how our office works, thank goodness. Well, in Port Ferry, that, for the whole town, that person is Justin Williams, right? That's his job. And he is constantly assisting the people in the town to deal with all sorts of technical problems, including scams. And then what he says, there's a, one of the subheads is, banks decrease, scams increase. Mr. Williams said branch closures in regional towns were contributing to the growing number of scam victims. Over the past four years in Port Ferry, residents have gone from having four banks to just one. In 2019, NAB closed. 2021, ANZ and Commonwealth Bank followed suit. And that's, if you wonder why two banks went in the same year, it's because once the the exit starts, they race each other out the door. No one wants to be the last bank Mm. in town. Mm -hmm. Now there's only a community bank in Port Ferry. He said bank branches were the first point of contact for people who had been scammed. You'd always go to the bank first to see a real person. Older people are being forced online when they don't want to, so as so, as so many bank branches close. Um, Mr Williams said banks could be doing more to protect their most vulnerable customers. Could they ever? Yeah, keep your branches open. Mm. Right, so, I mean, and I just... Um, that's basically what we want to cover in this segment. But just just to say that we could do this kind of segment every week. Mm. Like it's ha- every, every week you <laughs> see more examples of the blowback, right? And and why I get frustrated and express it like I do is because despite that, there's too many people in that building in Canberra, in Spring Street in Melbourne, in every state parliament that just have their brains switched off and they're like, oh, everything modern technology is great. Embrace it completely, right, without any forethought about where this might be going. And they don't actually stop and think, well, hang on, is this actually an improvement or not? And it's not just in banking. It's in government services. It's, it, you know, I mentioned on the show before, one of the more recent meetings I had in Parliament with a member of Parliament represent a large rural electorate. He said, beside, outside of banks... The biggest complaint he gets in his office is from the elderly who can't use MyGov. Mm. But government idiots who paid PwC or KPMG or EY or Boston Consult these, these kind of consulting firms, they come up with this scheme. Oh, we're going to go. We're going to make this fully digital. We're going to make that fully digital, and it can't work. Mm. Right. So well, don't let your politicians get away with just yeah. you know riding into the sunset on this agitate them on it. Every time you have a complaint, contact them. And interestingly enough, another reflection of the shift because of this blowback is um, the other day when ABC Radio was reporting announcements about fire and flood dangers. Yes. um, They actually said when they listed the things to make sure you take with you when When you're fleeing, um, was cash. Number one item, cash. Yeah, so... And and, and imagine a world, because you can't imagine a world where there's not going to be bushfires... Apparently, if we reduce carbon dioxide emissions to down to net zero, there will be never, ever, ever any other weather problems in the history of the world, at least. So that's a Might guarantee, help apparently. to reduce the fire load. But if that but doesn't happen um, and you still have bushfires, you're still going to have evacuations. Mm. 
you're still going to have power lines come down, you're still going to have communications failures, and the only people will be able to transact will be those with cash. Yep. And so good on the ABC for putting that up. And that was actually, uh, Dale Webster, the independent journalist, deserves credit for that because she heard those, mm. those um, uh, warnings previously and heard that they weren't telling people to take cash. And she, she wrote mm. to them and said, you, you need to tell them to take cash. And the ABC thought, oh, that's a good mm. idea. We better do that. So at least that's in the... Uh, the evacuation warnings now. Now we're lighting a fire under the politicians on another topic on foreign policy and that brings us to our next topic, a parliamentary investigation of ASPE. Australian Strategic Policy Institute. And just before we get into that topic, um, last week as I mentioned on the show, you and Richard extensively covered to a brilliant reaction I might add and thank you everyone for putting your comments under the show and um, that helped it get out very widely. But we discussed um, the, the, the fiasco in the Canadian Parliament on the 22nd of September uh, when the Speaker of the Parliament um, and the entire Parliament applauded and honoured a veteran of the Nazi Waffen SS 14th Galicia Division yep. um, as a hero, so a, a Canadian veteran. Um, now... What we have um, exposed on last week's show and continue to expose, and you'll give a quick update on that, is that um, the Australian Federation of Ukrainian Organisations includes the Brotherhood of Ex-Servicemen as a, one of their members, um, which includes veterans. They are veterans of that same Nazi Waffen SS 14th Galician Division. Yep. And that organisation, that Australian Federation has received um, accolades from our own government, from Albanese, and sponsorship and funding and so forth as well. So we put out a, we put out a release on that this week, uh, Elisa, and the headline is, Whatever Happened to Never Again? Like Trudeau in Canada, Morrison and Albanese whitewash actual Nazis in Australia. And um, the update that's in the release is we, we found out... We, um, more than what we covered on the show last week about the existence of this organisation and how it gets quoted. By, you know, we had the quotes from Morrison and Albanese. Mm. We showed that on the show last week. Um, uh, in March 2022, the Morrison government gave this Australian Federation of Ukrainian Organisations $450,000. So you've got the fact that a member organisation is these same veterans of the Nazi Galicia Waffen SS division. And the fact that the co-chair, Stefan Romanov, is the... While, while he got the money, until the end of 2022, he was the... For 13 years, he'd been the chairman of the organisation of Ukrainian nationalist Bandera. And we went through on the show last week how... I just For an example, I just showed Times of Israel head, headlines about how many times the Israeli government has complained to the... Ukrainian government about this increasing veneration of this Nazi collaborator, Bandera. Um, now, I had, in preparing the material for the show last week and for the press release, and um, I had tried to find some photos because I figured mm. there'd have to be photos of, of uh, Morrison or Albanese with this guy and I couldn't find them. Anyway, once the press release went out, Thank, thanks to the crowdsourcing capabilities of the internet, and it was all voluntarily, voluntary. Mm. On Twitter, I just got bombarded. So we're going to show some of the photos now, just yeah. so people see. Thanks to our supporters of those who did that. Yeah, no, really, really great. 
Um, so the main one is that's, that, that we'll show is this, this was on, um, this is from SBS actually. And that's pretty sad because I can, there's a lot of ignorance in the media that gets interpreted as, um, you know, more malignly, but it's, a lot of it's just ignorance. I've, I've, the more I've had to do with them, the more I've concluded the problem with most journalists is they're very dumb. That's why they end up being journalists. <laughs> anyway, um, so there, there, there can be some forgiveness for ignorance, but SBS is our specialised ethnic broadcaster. Mm. It's supposed to know this stuff. And so this photo here of Albanese with Romanov in the Maidan Square in Kiev mm. in July 2022, when he was the, the chairman of organisation of Ukrainian nationalist Bandera is really, really disturbing. That's our Prime Minister with a guy who, who heads the organisation founded by the most infamous Nazi collaborator in Ukraine in World War II. And look at the way they're looking at each other. Um, just for a bit of a flavour of it, here's a tweet that Romanyev did in 2016 um, because Bandera's grave is in Munich in Germany and it periodically gets defaced and vandalised. And so... By anti-Nazis. Anti-Nazis who know who he is go and do that, right? Ben deface his grave. So um, Romanov at the time, again still the chairman of the OUNB, Bandera, this is his tweet, Bandera's grave in Munich defaced again. No paint will erase the spirit. That is the spirit of Bandera. Mm. Shame on perpetrators, right? Hashtag Bandera. Um, And then um, uh, in July this year, you see this this photo tweeted out by Penny Wong, actually, the, our foreign minister, with Romanov and his co-chair um, of the organisation of, of, of the Australian Fe- Federation of Ukrainian Organisations. Um, and his co-chair is a Canadian woman who, and Canada, the, like the incident in Canada showed, there's a real nest of these, these, these World War II veteran Nazis. They really do dominate the Ukrainian organisation in, in Canada. And she comes from out of that, right? And she's now the co-chair of the Australian organisation. But, but definitely um, Romanov is the OUNB guy, the Banderite. Um, and here's Penny Wong, the, 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 the oh-so-sanctimonious Penny Wong. Um, I mean, we've had this little charade, Elisa, in the last few years here in Victoria where you get these wannabe neo-Nazis dress in really tight black shorts and black T-shirts and they go and do these these displays in front of the state parliament and whatever, right? And all these politicians, these Labor politicians, Liberal politicians, they all they all rant and rave about that. That's disgusting, these mm. Nazis. You know, the last year Dan Andrews has brought in these laws to ban all Nazi regalia, all swastikas, etc. That's so bad, it's so horrible. That is all symbolic. Worse. This is real. Mm. What, what Wong is doing here is 100% real. Yep. Right, but just ignore that. So, and then other people have sent me um, material, and I have to. I just want to mention this quickly. We'll do some more on this, but I, I would like to um, uh, thank this uh, a person who's just sent me. Very importantly, I just got to bring. And we'll up. put other pictures up in the background because there's a whole gallery of this of evidence building here. So I just want to thank Olga uh, Prosgurnak, Skurniak, who, who saw our press release and she, she wrote a really confronting article in the Australian Jewish News in 2021 about this worst, the worst ever Ukrainian massacre of Jews in Ukraine called Baba Yar. And it's at a ravine on the outskirts of Kiev. 
And to show you how disgusting, disgusting things are in this area, um, after 2014, the road to the ravine was renamed Bandera Way. That's in Ukraine. Well, that's not the only place. And in, a, in, in Penrith in Sydney, mm. there is also a Bandera Road in Penrith and it was, it was the work of a, a local um, named George Borek, who in the 70s got the road named that way because he too was a veteran of these Ukrainian groups in World War II. He's, he was a veteran of the Ukrainian um, Usurgent Army and the organisation of Ukrainian nationalist Bandera. So in the 70s, he was able to use his position as an immigrant to Australia to get that road in Penrith in Sydney named Bandera Way by the by the Penrith Council. Um, look, this is you know, and, and and if it was my whole life, as I said last last week, we were told you know the Nazis, we defeated the Nazis, the Nazis were evil, and they were evil, uh, etc. Um, but for geopolitical convenience, now this is all being history is being rewritten, right? All being brushed under the carpet, and it's mm. not acceptable. And we're doing this just to, so we can segue to Aspie. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> this is the, for us, our motivation in highlighting this is because we're talking about Australia, the, the moral things Australia is prepared to do as we march in lockstep with Anglo-American mm. strategy. And Anglo-American strategy has two targets, yeah. Russia and China. Yeah, so we've talked about Russia. Now the demonisation of China is exactly. where Aspie comes in. Um, and so, you know, since... 2016-2017, we started noticing this shift uh, in regard to China. China was suddenly being demonised, you know, our biggest trading partner. Um, of course, it coincided with um, the Belt and Road Infrastructure Initiative was really growing massively, being adopted by many countries. You had other events like the Asian Infrastructure Investment Bank and so forth. Which... And, and, and these, were th these were things that Australia was also... Happy to participate yeah, in. Yeah, that's right. We, we actually, Obama asked us mm. not to join the Asian Infrastructure Investment Bank and Abbott did anyway because mm. it was so beneficial for us in our region. Um, that was in 2015. And in 2014, Xi Jinping actually came and addressed the Australian Parliament, mm. right? Because look at our trade. You just look at, we might be able to put an image up. There's some, there's, some are better than others, but our trade, our trade with China is so much bigger and so much more important than with anybody else. Mm. It's not funny, right? Yeah. And that's why we wanted to have a good relationship. So so we detected and we started looking at and writing about Aspie at around that, or earlier, actually, 2014. Um, but we detected this shadow foreign policy agenda. Yeah. Um, and that agenda was being dictated by Aspie. And we've got to the point, I mean, back then, if we had a call for an investigation into Aspie, Forget about it. Yeah. You wouldn't have had a leg to stand on. But now the traction is there because the consequences of what we've done with the relationship with China are obvious. They're written heavily on the wall. Um, so we've issued two things, a video, and we want people to click on the little information button or you can look in the box below uh, to watch that video if you haven't already. And it's already circulating very widely. You can go through some of the reactions it goes to for about that four minutes. in a moment. Um, so that lays out the case and then our petition to the parliament, which everybody should also sign. You can click again on the same links to find that. 
Um, put your name on that petition. We're already getting prominent people uh, adding their names. A lot of support for this, which demands, it says, the Australian Senate must investigate ASPE for manipulation of our government policy on behalf of foreign military interests. Right? This, these, this agenda is about war and confrontation with China, containment and uh, encirclement of China um, to prevent the kind of uh, shift that the world desperately needs, the economic changes that China's been promoting, um, to cut off major nations and allies of the US and the UK, like Australia, from going in that direction, which is such an obvious direction that Australia should go in to work with our neighbours. We've included in this Australian Alert Service Gough Whitlam's speech in his 1973 trip to China, um, which says everything about why Aspie must be shut down today because, as he put it, he said, our concern is no longer exclusively with nations in far-removed areas of the globe. Now our concern is with all nations and particularly those with whom we share a common environment and common interests and with whom we seek relationships of equality. He said, we look to a future in which overemphasis on particular associations will no longer distort the proper relationships which should exist between Australia and all neighbours. And what he's talking about with particular associations is things like the Commonwealth, the United Kingdom, the United States. And today, AUKUS, um, the Quad, uh, Five Eyes, you know, there's many, many more of them. Now, um, and and the root of this, Elise, you're right, is the, is the, uh, the reaction to the economically what China actually stands for. Because the Americans stopped doing it. They were the most powerful economy in the world once upon a time. Now they still like to think they're the biggest. Mm. And in fact, I saw this person, this, this one guy um, from one of these American think tanks tweeting about the fact that at the end of the Cold War, America was about 25% of the world GDP. Today it's about 25% of the GDP. And they say, and he says, they say America's in decline. That, that would indicate it's not in decline. Look, we're great. But, but what you've got to look at is the component of that GDP Right, because while America has all these huge tech companies that are there to make money out of us being bamboozled on our phones all day, that's their, that's 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 what generates money for that economy, um, which they're putting on debt. Why they've got so much debt, right? Um, what's China's economic growth based on? Real production, mm. real investment in real infrastructure, which is what America used to do, what Australia used to do. And if they just went back to doing that sort of thing, if the American government said, okay, no, mm. we're not going to let Wall Street and these tech companies just control our economy so that we can look rich on paper, but all that wealth is in the hands of the billionaires, right, and no one else gets any, um, let's actually, let's do, you know, we once built the Tennessee Valley Authority, which was an inspiration for our Snow Mountain scheme. Let's do that again. Let's have a high-speed railway. It'll be easier for America to build a high-speed railway network than Australia because they do have a more dense population. Mm. We'd have to start off in these in these our most dense areas. Um, let's do that sort of thing. And if they got back to doing that, I can tell you, they'd stop being so frightened of China. Mm. And in fact, they would find ways to get on with China better because the Chinese would say, look, uh, this is how we do, look. You know, that you've got that technical problem building that railway. This is how we solve that, mm. right? Etc. Mm-hmm. Oh, really? Oh, you guys aren't monsters. You got some good ideas. Like that's that's how the world can actually be yeah. a peaceful place. But they don't want that because you've got this war machine, and that's that's mainly what we're exposing with Aspie. And we've got this flow chart we'll put on the screen now, um, and the white arrows 
is all the money that flows into Aspie, and the biggest chunk is from the Australian government, but you have this enormous amount from overseas government agencies and overseas private sector companies, and the majority of those are American. Um, there's some big British ones, but the majority of those are American. And so all this money flows into Aspie, and what flows out? Well, as we show in the, in the um, uh, apart from a, a whole heap of propaganda, uh, as we show in the video, um, you've got all these sponsors of Aspie in, since Aspie's existed have received $51 billion in Australian government contracts to buy weapons for wars we shouldn't even be contemplating, right? It's cha-ching, cha-ching, cha-ching. It's a huge motivator. And, and as for the propaganda, what does that include? It's actually, and, it's, and it's true. One of the reasons that we're doing this now, we've been fighting Aspie for 14, since 2014. Mm. But why are we doing this right now? Because back in July, those... I feel like swearing here, but I probably shouldn't. <laughs> I mean, this is what they did. This scum, the scum at Aspie, wrote an article saying that the campaign against bank closures in regional Australia was a Chinese Communist Party covert influence operation. Mm -hmm. That's what they said. That's the kind of propaganda they pour out. And that was all because they wanted to smear what we do in this totally unrelated area to foreign policy, right? So that our stock as a party could be tarnished with this kind of McCarthyite claim, McCarthyism in the 50s, where you're a communist, you're a communist. Are you now, have you ever been a member of the Communist Party? Right, That sort of thing, right? They're black band, a whole heap of actors in Hollywood and screenwriters and all that kind of stuff. Um, and it just, and, and it was a witch hunt. And they want to bring that, they've been bringing that back in Australia. And they just want to be able to tarnish us with that. Mm. And we thought, okay, it's one thing to go after the Citizens Party. But if you're going to go after mm. regional towns who deserve to have people fighting to save their banks, like the town of Junee, mm. who feel so hard much about this, they put four pa huge pages in their newspaper about it. If you're going after them, Aspie, on behalf of Uncle Sam, paying you millions of dollars to do this, it's on. And so join that fight back. Sign the petition. We're going to push this big point. And the, La so the Labor Party's in government. They could get up this inquiry. Mm. They're not going to want it. They're not going to want to touch us with a 10-foot barge pole. But, you know, a lot of those backbenchers, they heard when Paul Keating took on Aspie back in March. And yep. Paul Keating called, called out Aspie and called it a US cell. Mm -hmm. And if you start hitting them about Aspie, if you start contacting them, if we get this petition to them, they won't be able to just say, oh, that's a non-issue. Mm. The great Paul Keating made it an issue. Mm, yep. And to add the flavour and, and build, help build the hatred of Aspie, I think we can introduce our next topic. You don't have to... The, okay, we, sh, we don't like inciting people that way. The way, But people should hate Aspie. The way to hate Aspie, go on their website and read their stuff. <laughs> so their latest operative is who we're going to talk about next. Well, not per se, but in effect... He's back, ScoMo yeah. in Think Tankistan, yeah. because Scott Morrison, yes, we all thought we were rid of the worst of him, but uh, from his backbench... Prime Minister in Australian history. From his backbench role, he's actually playing a leading role right now, um, having been adopted by various think tanks, which, of which we'll mention a few, um, to try to sour relations with China again, just as there are baby steps towards their improvement. It's actually a... Sp You'll give the details in a minute, but I want to. It's a specific counteroffensive, Elisa. There's a there's a positive initiative about to happen, and there's a massive um, attempt to head it off at the pass. They want to they want to sabotage it before it gets up. Mm. And Morrison is taking the lead on that. 
Yeah, so it's just as simple as our Prime Minister going to China because, extraordinarily enough, it's the first time a Prime Minister of ours has visit, would have, will have visited the country since 2016, which is this period we talked about yeah. earlier when this Aspie propaganda started to be pumped out and you couldn't have anything to do with China all of a sudden and they had to be bad-mouthed bad at every turn. So... Um, so Albanese announced he was uh, going to go to China sometime later in the year and Morrison immediately, immediately announced that he would be making a trip to Taiwan and this follows upon a visit that has just happened by MPs visiting Taiwan against about which China had expressed concern. So then Morrison jumps in and says, well, I'm going to go to uh, Taiwan to counterbalance, as a counterweight to Albanese going to China. Uh, so, and think about what this means, right? Taiwan, as a lot of experts around the world have said, Taiwan is China's issue. Taiwan is China's interest. It's not our interest. We only have a relationship with China that we've benefited so immensely from for 50 years because 50 years ago we agreed to what China said. Look, there's a one China principle, yeah. right? And, and, and how it works. In, so all of China, including Taiwan, is one China. And by, by the way, most Taiwanese agree with that as well. But how China, mainland China insists it works is that you deal with us officially. Mm. You can deal with Taiwan, but unofficially. And where it starts crossing the line is when politicians from countries who have agreed to the one China policy, when they go there and, and they're from the, especially if they're from the government, or in the case of Morrison, the former government, and he will say in Taiwan something he, wouldn't, he would never have said as prime minister, Right, because he he knows mm. the official position of Australia, but as a former prime minister, he's going to try and get away with saying it. Um, and the, but the Chinese are not fooled because essentially, Albo going to t- China to Beijing will help further, in some small way, the cause of peace. Morrison wants to go to Taiwan to advance the cause of war because stirring up Taiwan mm. will only ever result if if it doesn't get checked will only ever result in a war. And if that war starts, it'll be a war of annihilation mm. for humanity. That's why he's going. Yeah. He and is utter, yeah. utter cretin, he, as former Prime Minister. He, when he announced his trip, he said he was going to show support <laughs> for Taiwan. So he was quite explicit about that. Just a couple of days before Albanese announced his visit to Beijing, um, Morrison told a coalition party room meeting uh, that he was very concerned about the Albanese government's uh, acquiescent and concessional approach to restoring relations with China. He said that regional security, um, and, well, this was later actually in a 20 September uh, Australian article, he said uh, national sec- regional security could not be achieved through appeasement of China. Um, and talked about the risks associated with Elbow's visit because it could be perceived by China as a back down by Australia, right? So, and, and, and that's entirely self-serving because, of course, Elbow is doing things very different to what <coughs> Morrison did. Not, not different enough. We've, we have a lot of criticism for Albanese. His, um, his weakness on Assange is a, is a really glaring thing. Mm-hmm. But um, uh, it's... It's Morrison's position that he's undermining, and Morrison wants to define his actions as Prime Minister as defining Australia's national interest. Mm. Get out of here, you a-hole. You were turfed out by the Australian people. Shut up and go crawl under a rock. We do not need this garbage. But, Elisa, 
He's not, he's not even doing it for the sake of his own reputation. He's now being funded to do yeah, this. Yeah, well, that's what I was about to say because we, he hasn't declared who's sponsoring him on this trip, but everything he's been doing lately is sponsored by someone and not just anyone, <laughs> um, but the think tanks that are associated with Aspie and are driving <clears throat> war. So in May 2023, he joined the Strategic Advisory Board of the Centre for New American Security, the co-founder of which was Kurt Campbell, the current mm. Biden's current Asia czar and the guy who devised the program called the Asia Pivot in which Obama announced yep. that they would shift all their military weight and economic weight through the Trans-Pacific Partnership as well at that time. Um, to the Asian Pacific region and which China initially reacted to um, in terms of building up its own defences um, and set off this whole kind of thing into motion. And they, whole... um, the Centre for New American Security, people might start thinking, they might see something familiar in these names. The, the main think tank that was the architect and schema behind the Iraq war was the project for the New American Century yeah. back 20 years ago. This is the Centre for New American Security, but it's essentially an Aspie partner, yeah. um, and it's funded by all the same weapons companies as Aspie, yeah. right? And so when they are, when he's on their board, right, that's who he's identified. That's who he's working for when he's trying to blow up this this Albanese visit. Yeah, so you can read more about this in an article in the Australian Alert Service. Contact us for a complimentary copy if you've never seen it before or subscribe uh, to get it weekly. But um, we expose the fact that CNAS receives six-figure sums from an organisation which you can read the detail of called the Taipei Economic and Cultural Representative Office. So it's like a Taiwan outfit in the US to promote you know, Taiwan and so forth. But they also fund Aspie and the Hudson Institute, which are, again, these neoconservative think tanks that pump out this war propaganda. And Albanese is on the strategic board, advisory board of the Hudson Institute too. And the CEO of CNAS... Sorry, sorry Morrison, Morrison. We're talking about Morrison, that. yeah. And the CEO of uh, CNAS said that Morrison's role in securing the AUKUS agreement was one of the major factors in why they wanted him... On this board. So the AUKUS agreement makes a lot of money for weapons companies. Weapons companies fund CNAS and CNAS says, OK, you've made a lot of money for our sponsors. Come and join the board. Yeah. Hello. Um, and uh, Morrison has also been funded by and sponsored and supported by the Interparliamentary Alliance on China, which is a global association of anti-China politicians, basically. And, it, and there's a picture of um, Morrison with... Um, uh, former PM Liz Truss, who made... We covered this in the alert at the time, back in February, I think it was. They uh, went to this forum in Japan. Really um, virulent anti-China yep. propaganda that they both pumped out at that event. I think that was when Truss was actually talking about an economic NATO. We needed to get everyone on board with an economic na- a grouping that was equivalent of NATO to surround China and, and cut is, China off. And Look at this picture of Truss and, and uh, uh, Morrison. I mean, they're the two biggest losers in their country's mm. politics. Yeah. They're both reviled by oh, their own yeah. countrymen, yet they go get to go around the world chummy and like they represent something. And what do they represent? The mm. idea that war with China is something great, right? I mean, I, I lose any eloquence. At, mm. I, don't need, I, don't, I don't think I'm that eloquent at the best of times, but you resort to words yeah. like scum. <laughs> Scummo, yeah. 
Um, and there's other think tanks besides mentioned in this article that SCUMO is associated with the International Democratic Union, the Worldwide Support for Development. I mean, that's why we call it the think tankistan blob that he's, you know, become a part of quite and, um, and if you go to lawfully. Alicia, if you go to the Parliament's website, you can go to the, the Register of Pecuniary Interests. So all the politicians in the federal parliament have to declare when they get gifts, when they get uh, you know, tickets to something, etc. And right now, backbencher Morrison's register is very, very interesting because um, he's flying all around the world a lot. Uh, he's always declaring business class flights mm. to Japan, Korea, the United Kingdom, the United States. For him and his wife, they get these business class flights. Um, and it's all this crap. These, yeah. these, these think tanks, etc., that are all part of this globalised machine, war machinery, uh, funding him his jet-setting lifestyle mm. all around the world. He's received an advance from HarperCollins, the publisher, for his biography, mm. which no one's going to read, mm. right? But in the advance, and he doesn't declare how much of the advance is, but HarperCollins is Murdoch, right? And so he's, he's got a wad of money from them to so, supposedly write a book um, it'd be interesting to find out how much that actually was. Remember when Obama left office, he got $60 million from his publisher as an advance to write a book. This sort of stuff gets very, very murky and very, very dark. Um, and you wouldn't pay that much attention if they weren't using their platforms to try and blow up the world. But sorry, yeah. I don't want to blow up the world. And he's made himself, if he wants to do that, then he needs to be exposed for doing that. And that's why this and wrote this article. All of this reveals who he was really working for when he was in office, even though it's exactly. now done explicitly and openly. Back then, all those same um, forces were in, in effect. At no point was he ever standing up for Australia's interest. That was the biggest pile of garbage. He took a phone call from the White House and went out there and said the most single most insulting thing he could to the Chinese over, over um, COVID, yeah. right? And that's when all the trouble began. Yeah. Now, what's the best thing people can do to help with this campaign? Well, get this video around. In fact, I've been receiving... I, I have lots of different contexts of various levels of politics, etc. I've been receiving quite a bit of feedback from those contacts because they know who we are and what we do. And suddenly they're telling me, oh, I saw your video. Someone sent me your video, etc. Right? Get this video around. It speaks for itself. People... And, then, and, and, if it, and tell people, sign the petition, right? Let's build this up in a big way. Um, in the meantime, though, there's, there's... You know, we're doing more than one thing. So the circulation of this video is very important. Um, we always encourage people to talk to the members of parliament, mm. Elisa. Now, I think the priority for talking to members of parliament is still on the banking issue. Mm. We want every instance of bad banking, crazy digital breakdowns, banking scams, etc. You get on to your member of parliament as often as you need to and say, digital ban uh, forcing us to go digital is unacceptable. We need cash and we need bank branches, mm. right? And say that a lot because that will start being kicked upstairs. Yeah. But as you as you need to, also get your members of parliament to watch this Aspie video. Mm. Send it to them and ask for a response. When you you can email it to them, get their emails and say, "I'm your constituent. Please watch this video. It's calling for an inquiry. Will you support an inquiry?" So someone in the office has to re watch it and respond, and then it'll be starting to be noticed right at the very top. Mm. And just back on the banking issue uh, and the necessity for a public people's bank as a real alternative on the ground when these private banks are closing their doors, don't forget to ask your local council 
to put up a motion for this. You can find the yep. links below to find example, sample motions and so forth. But just remember to have four pages on this yeah, in yeah. their local paper. They probably had to drop out three pages of sport <laughs> news or something, right? So this is very popular. Yeah. It's a big issue in every town. So make sure you get onto your local councils too in the course of all of this activity. Um, contact us if you need more information, if you need literature to distribute. We've got, I believe, a new flyer coming out. So, you know, we can get this material out physically um, as well, you know, making the best of the presence in the local towns and areas. Yep. And if you find any more photos of Albanese or Wong or anyone in the government with Nazis, send them mm. to us as well. Yeah, that's right. All right, that's the show for this week. Thanks, Robert. Thanks, Lisa. Thanks for joining us. See you again next week. Authorised by Robert Bowick, Citizens Party, Melbourne.